When Sophia's old friends come to town, they have some exciting news. Their daughter is getting married. They also have some surprising news. Their daughter is not the woman they brought with them. It's Dorothy. This is devastating to the Petrillo women who are left wondering if they're actually related to one another. Will they take a blood test? Will our hearts collectively break learning that they aren't related? Will Blanche ever learn how to make her body sexy at her dirty dancing class? And will we be able to purchase Rose's athletic dancewear line? All of that and more in today's episode, Foreign Exchange. Thank you for the friendship. We've come so far and traveled wide. Oh, you're my best friends. I could never lie. I love when we party, dance, and sing. And laugh just doing our thing. No matter the misters that Opening up in the living room, we find Sophia in her vertically striped multicolored dress and teal cardigan sitting on the couch working on a crossword. We also have Rose in the armchair rocking a bright salmon jumpsuit, enjoying a magazine, and Dorothy in khaki pants and a top made out of other tops with a brown section down the middle and differently seamed blue portions on the sides. It's really something. And she, too, is enjoying reading via a now rarely seen physical copy of a newspaper. Before her blouse can stop billowing from sitting down, Sophia is asking Dorothy, in a nearly Barkin-worthy tone, if she can think of a word meaning lonely, middle-aged woman, desperate to be with a man, with seven letters. Unfortunately for Dorothy, this question actually isn't a clue in the crossword. Sophia is trying to think of a good choice for Dorothy's vanity plates. Is this an oh boy that Sophia would go so far out of her way to humiliate or degrade her daughter that she would not only go to the DMV, but she's willing to pay the extra $15 a year to have it? Or at least that's what it costs in Florida nowadays. Not that Sophia should do that to Dorothy, but she could go with spinster with S-T-R or maiden or old maid or desperate, cut the E off the end. With a frown, it's clear Dorothy is not interested in helping her mother with this task. Dorothy also fits. Oh my God, it does. And Zbornak. Oh my God. Before Dorothy can confront Sophia about her rudeness, Blanche confronts Dorothy. Coming in the door, Blanche, in her same bright sweatsuit she wore to get her hair done by Eduardo, is desperate to know if the girls have ever heard of such a thing as dirty dancing. Blanche, this is 1989, two years after the box office hit Dirty Dancing was released. Everyone has heard of it. That is, everyone but our sweet Rose, of course. Since Dorothy didn't outright say the name of the movie she was referencing, Rose isn't sure what anyone is talking about. So a feisty Dorothy says it was the 1962 epic Lawrence of Arabia. Fun fact that I learned while doing research, did you know that there was a real Lawrence of Arabia? The movie is based on the books by T.E. Lawrence, or Thomas Edward, a British man who was an army officer, diplomat, archaeologist, and writer. He was best known for his role as part of the Arab Revolt in World War I. There wasn't any dirty dancing in Lawrence of Arabia, but boy, was there a lot of it in the film Dirty Dancing. It made Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey movie stars. It made lifting your dance partner in the air cool. And my favorite fun fact, it gave Bill Medley, one of the Righteous Brothers, another movie song hit. That's right. The guy who sings I Had the Time of My Life also gave us You've Lost That Loving Feeling from Top Gun and Unchained Melody from Ghost. That's an amazing career. Righteous Brothers alone, they influenced a lot of groups that came after them, such as the Beach Boys, the Beatles, anyone that did harmony, basically. And then you have all those songs as the Righteous Brothers, and then you have three huge songs in three of the biggest movies of the 20th century. What are we talking? Ghost, Dirty Dancing? Ghost, Top Gun, Dirty Dancing. Wow. 
Patrick Swayze's in Ghost and Dirty Dancing. Oh my God. I didn't even piece it together. <gasps> Sorry, I'm making cogent thoughts. <laughs> Cohesive ideas, sort of. Yeah, my partially. Bad. Who? What? Swayze. Clay. Tu Wong Fu. Clay. <laughs> <laughs> tu Wong Fu Clay. What Blanche is talking about is a class inspired by the dancing being done dirty in the movie. The class will probably feature the sexier, more structured type of salsa, the mambo, which is related to the cha-cha. I like a do the cha-cha. Dorothy wastes no time in turning the offer down. She just cannot see herself swiveling those hips or jiggling those nips in such a fashion. Something Sophia implies everyone is grateful for, saying, and the world takes a collective sigh of relief. What the heck? Did these gals get in a fight or something? Knowing she may have crossed a line, Sophia keeps her nose down in her paperwork rather than face the wrath of Dorothy's eyes. Undeterred, Blanche moves on to asking Rose to join her. But for her, it just might be too dirty. Being reminded that she likes to dance only helps a little. Giving a reason for not going, Rose says that she likes square dancing, which of all of the amazing dancing we've witnessed her do on the show, square has not been one of them. When Blanche convinces Rose square is to dirty as dancing is to dancing, she's on board. Now that she's agreed, Blanche feels it's a good time to tell Rose that the main difference in the dance styles is that in dirty dancing, you won't be facing your partner, stepping past each other, passing right shoulders, and without turning around, stepping back to back, then backing up, passing left shoulders until you're in front of your partner again, like the Hallmark Channel tells us a dosi do is. No, in this situation, the shoulder passing will be done more of a dosi ho style, with her legs around her partner's neck. Now that she's agreed to go, Rose feels obligated and starts to panic. Sophia saves all of us from Rose's panic and distracts the girls with news of a letter. Her old friends, Philomena and Dominic Bosco, along with their daughter Gina, are going to be coming to the States, more specifically Miami, and they would love to stop by for a visit. These family friends go way back. Even though just a couple of weeks ago, Sophia was claiming Dorothy was born on a pool table in a bar... Today we learn that she was born in the Brooklyn Hospital, the same place and the same time that Philomena was there giving birth to her daughter, Gina. Personal fun fact, my mom made great friends with the gal in the room next to her when she had my brother. The boys even became friends and I do believe played on the same baseball league when they were little kids. What the lady did not like was that she was in excruciating labor for about 40 hours before she had to be induced and my mom was in labor for a literal five minutes. That's a short, that's a short one. It and was. And she had a baby? Yes. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Must be nice. Well, she wasn't fully dilated either, so it wasn't great, but it was Ouch. fast. If it's bad, who cares if it's only five minutes? <laughs> that's what I say. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and that's how we're together, baby. <laughs> Put that on a shirt and sell it. It's worth it for the worst five minutes of your life. <laughs> After the babies were born, the family went back to Sicily. They stayed in touch through the years and are close enough to send a letter not only saying, hey, be ready to hang out with us at this time, but also, we'll need to crash at your place. Sophia jokes that having the family stay with them won't be an issue unless the neighbors win a bidding war, which has Rose very confused. She's really having an off day. Thinking the family might actually stay with the neighbors, she finds the positive, as always, and appreciates the proximity. Sophia promises that the family will not be an issue and everyone can just stay in her room. An idea so ridiculous, Dorothy doesn't even laugh it off. She gives it more of a, are you kidding? Sophia knows that the family staying together in one bed, even with her, would be as close to feeling at home as they could get. Adding a goat would really seal the deal. Some time has passed, and it's arrival day for the Bosco family. To prepare, Sophia, in a blue house dress adorned with purple flowers, is making pasta pesto and needs the newly home Dorothy in a tote pant and open shirt over a yellow collared shirt to give it a taste test. Barely able to get the sauce to her mouth, Dorothy spits it out, wrinkling her face, telling her ma how terrible it is. 
Now, in this case, I'm a little concerned about Dorothy's eyesight. See, the pot she tasted from was the huge one boiling the sink stopper to clean it. It's the smaller pot next to that that houses the delicious sauce. That is some serious trust, Dorothy. You don't even look down at a spoon when you're eating something? You can't tell nasty chemical water from a sauce? You're just a TV show making a joke? Oh, okay. Before any more samples can be taken, the dirtiest of dancers have come home from their class. Blanche is wearing some stylish white shorts with pastel decals or perhaps patchwork and a light pink top. Behind her is Rose, who looks like she's about to go pose as a still-life pinup farmer girl in a blue opened button-up over a red and white checkered pantsuit. When Dorothy inquires about their gyrating hips, Blanche is honest. It was a bit tougher than she had expected, but she knows that if she keeps at it, she'll pick it up soon enough and get better. Rose is a little more honest. She says that Blanche sucked. With a confident smile and a nod, Rose happily tells Dorothy how good she was. This is all hard for Dorothy to believe. How was Rose better at anything even remotely related to sex than Blanche was? Blanche is also in shock. Dorothy offers the explanation that, while having sex is Blanche's forte, perhaps it was the being on her feet that was tripping her up. This could be the case, but it's not like Blanche doesn't have expertise in that department. Just think of all the showers, pantries, and locker rooms she's mentioned through the years. One thing in Rose's favor about sex, Mm. that she might be more of an expert than she seems, is that you'll recall that she and Charlie Mm -hmm. had sex every day. That's correct. So she, at least, she's done the 10,000 hours. Yes. I'll I'll cry expert. That's a great point. Sexpert. That's a great point. Thank you. Good job. So her hips have her have, hips don't lie. Well, they've been they've been doing those movements for a while. Mm-hmm. She's just quieter about it. That's right. She doesn't have to brag. That's right. When the ding dong of the door dings, Sophia excitedly scampers off to greet the Bosco family. First at the door is tall, slender, and lovely Philomena in a decorative scarf of a dress and long jacket with vertical stripes of dull colors of the rainbow. Behind her is Dominic in a tux. The three don't even have the words for how excited they are to see each other. They can only hug, hold hands, and twirl in circles saying, ah. Dorothy looks to the girls, and they are all moved by the sweetness of the friendship. It's easy to see how much they all care for each other. That is, unless you're Rose, who is desperate to know what they're saying, but she doesn't speak Italian or, you know, human body language. These are two of my favorite returning guest actors. For Dominic, we have Vito Scotti, who we spoke about at length when he played the Garage Makeover Man in season three. So you did recognize him, Coco. As for Philomena, well, we might love Nan Martin in this episode, but we certainly didn't when she was playing one Miss Frida Claxton. Fun fact, at the time, she was five years younger than B. Arthur. So right there it would have cleared up any motherly concerns. The couple enters the home and is joyful to be reunited with their dear friend even after so many years. And though she may have been too young to remember them, Dorothy is equally delighted, chuckling at the story of when Dom held her and she peed all over him and his suit. Everyone giggles, but Philomena doesn't want Dorothy to feel bad about the incident, so she points out that you can hardly see the 50 or so year old spot on the suit, the same one Dom is donning currently. The old friends move on to making new ones, being introduced to Blanche and Rose. As Philomena gives Blanche a once-over, she whispers something Italian into Dom's ear. It's clearly a not-so-subtle jab at Blanche and her look. Dom covers for her, saying, Oh, she just appreciates the hospitality. But both Philomena's look and Sophia's confusion uncover his cover. Sophia was certain she had said something about Blanche being a sex worker. Moving on from the miscommunication, after some awkward smiles, Dorothy asks where their daughter Gina is. Well, she's right behind them. She's just working out payment with the taxi driver. The driver wants cash, but Gina wants to pay with a traditional Sicilian currency, a rooster. As they await Gina's arrival, the slut, I mean Blanche, is curious why, after all these years, the family has come to Miami. Easy. Dom and Philomena have to take their daughter to Sicily as she is to be wed. This is confusing as their daughter is in the driveway having a cockfight. 
That's when Dom drops a dombomb.com. Gina is not their daughter. Sincerely, he turns to Dorothy and tells her that she is their daughter. There's nearly no reaction as the group tries to unravel that statement. Almost nervously, Sophia dismisses his claim, saying that he spent three months on a ship drinking moonshine out of the bladder of a goat, so his mind is not to be trusted. Ah, but Philomena has facts. As she was set to be wed, Gina took a blood test. That test came back saying that she was not related to Dom and Philomena. So all they can think is that something happened at the hospital, leading to Dorothy and Gina being switched. This shocking news is hard for anyone in the room to believe. Rose's optimism comes to the rescue as she says that it can all be cleared up by having Dorothy just show them her identification. Oh, poor Rose. The whole blood test thing is just a bit above her head. Dom understands how shocking this all is, but on the bright side, Dorothy, or Tortilla, as he calls her, is set to be married to the hottest guy in town. Tortilla? Dorothea. Oh, I see. Dorothea. Sounds like tortilla. Tortilla. Side note here, there's never a conversation with Gina, towards Gina. We don't have any moment with Gina where she has confirmation she is not the child of her parents. Like, she's dealing with some real facts. Dorothy's just been told it's a possibility. But poor Gina, it's like, oh, yeah, we already know she's not ours, so we're here to get you. She's very good-natured, and maybe she's just rolling with it. That's true. Hey, you know, whatever, man. Life's a garden. (laughs) Dig it. (laughs) Sophia then stands up to answer the door after the bell rings, but Dorothy stops her. How can these people, these basically strangers, come into their house and make this claim without any facts or evidence? There has been nothing shown to imply that they were the babies that were switched. With another impatient ring, Sophia finally gets to the door. On the other side stands a woman, about Dorothy's age, but of Sophia's height. Gina is short, loves a floral dress and a cardigan, and even wears a beaded purse on her arm. If you saw a photo of all the people in the room, you would definitely assume that they were the mother-daughter duo, especially as Dorothy stands next to the taller Philomena, as they both have their hands twisted up in stress. Flo de Ray playing Gina was a good match for Sophia, so good that she'll actually be back next season playing a younger version of her. Be it acting with her body or voice, Flo has appeared in Star Wars The Clone Wars, Avatar The Last Airbender, The Wild Thornberries, Devil May Cry 2, Mighty Joe Young, Fallout 2, Quack Pack, Running Mates, Seinfeld, Knott's Landing, True Beverly Hills, Mama's Family, Murder, She Wrote, The Facts of Life, Deadly Force, Cagney and Lacey, among many others. As the guests have been given Sophia's room, Sophia has bunked with Dorothy. And she has chosen tonight, in Dorothy's room, on Dorothy's ottoman, as the time and place to trim her toenails. When Dorothy says, Ma, try to find somewhere else to go do your grooming, Sophia asks that she be called by her name, just as her friends do. That was, of course, a joke, but Dorothy is in no mood. Not only is there the blood test showing Gina is not related to her parents, but there is the genetic visual that implies the same. It's all too scary for Dorothy to consider, and she does not want to joke about it. Since joking is Sophia's coping mechanism, she can't stop herself. She goes on, confessing that when she went home from the hospital, not the tavern, after delivering Dorothy, she had a horrible feeling in her gut. Not because she was questioning if Dorothy was her actual daughter, but because she had been in labor for 36 hours and the doctor didn't use medical tools, he used discounted restaurant supplies. Now, Sophia would appreciate it if Dorothy would stop being so hung up about something so trite as maternity. Getting into bed, the Petrillo women assume their positions, Dorothy on her side with the blankets up high, Sophia sitting straight up on her pillow mountain. As my mother would say, Sophia got a tickle in her throat, hence the pillow mountain, which I can relate to. And she needs a hard candy or a lozenge or a mint or something to quell the dryness. As Sophia rattles off the array of options that would help, a frustrated Dorothy asks if the back of her silk cream nightgown says Kmart, Dorothy means that she's not a store. She doesn't have all these treats. Sophia rebuts, saying the nightgown actually does say Kmart because Dorothy is cheap, like Kmart. Kmart, our clothes walked so Walmarts could run. Overwhelmed by the day's news, Dorothy rolls over toward her mother and begins to reminisce about the time. 
When Sophia hears they're going back to when Dorothy was a little girl, she can't help but let out an exhausted, oh, God. This does not stop Dorothy. She goes on. When she was little and had her monster-in-the-closet nightmare, she would run to her parents' room and crawl into bed with them. They would hold her and kiss her and tell her everything was going to be okay. And right now, faced with the idea of Sophia not being her mother, an actual nightmare, she needs that same treatment to have a parent hold her and say everything is going to work out. Before Sophia can inevitably either dismiss Dorothy's emotional needs or make a joke out of them, Dominic, her possible father, has come running into the room, undetected, I might add, very creepy, and he's the parent throwing his arms around his daughter, saying everything will be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Still in the dark, literally, and as to why she's being cradled by a strange man, both the women scream. Dom defends his actions. He was in the hallway when he heard his baby girl, or Bambina, crying, and he wanted to comfort her. With all of the hooting and hollering, Philomena has been awoken and has joined the madness, yelling at Dom for waking, said Bambina, a name Dorothy does not wish to be referred to as. This whole group could really use some therapy. Just because they think they have a new daughter doesn't mean she's an actual baby. When Dorothy yells at them to stop, she's scolded by her second mother to not raise her voice. Her new dad even says that he'll put her across his leg for a spanking. In this house, the only spankings we have are bare-bottomed and done by daddies. That's right. We I threaten that a lot to the dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's never happened. I'm not going to do that. But it's fun because the dog is naked. Yes. It's a... Rosie, get on this couch. You're going to get a bare bottom spanking. <laughs> she's never had a bare bottom spanking. Yeah, I just give her kisses. <laughs> and that's why she's a terrorist. Mm -hmm. Thank God we didn't have children. <laughs> After the threat of a spanking, Dorothy threatens back that if any part of her body meets Dom's knee or hand, his teeth will be punched back to Sicily. Dom isn't offended by the threat. He's pleased. That's his tough little girl. She's just like her mother a compliment both Philomena and Sophia take credit for. Because of the ongoing confusion and Dorothy's brain short-circuiting, she's decided that Sophia will be Ma 1 and Philomena will be Ma 2, which I think it'd be easier to just call her Philomena, but that's just me. Sophia is fed up with the nonsense, so she has come to a decision. Tomorrow, she and Dorothy will get a blood test. They'll get their answer and everything will be all cleared up. Getting back into bed, Dorothy expresses gratitude and love for her Ma. Ma? Ma? When Sophia doesn't respond, Dorothy gets nervous. That is until Sophia finally answers, joking she hadn't answered since she's not her ma. In the kitchen, presumably later that night, Dorothy is sitting at the table in her yellow terrycloth robe when Rose and Blanche come storming in. Blanche, in tight, knee-length spandex shorts and what can only be described as an ugly Christmas sweater but make it Miami, is fuming. Rose has totally embarrassed her. Whatever it is she did, it made Blanche feel the most embarrassed she ever has, even more so than when she was busted with the exterminator. I'm onto the organ man, onto the organ man. To control your pest, organ is best called onto the organ man. Rose, in uncharacteristic 80s triangle earrings, a white and pink polo top over a white and floral jumper, starts to explain to Dorothy what the hubbub is about. Well, they went to their dirty dancing class, which we already know is where Rose shines. Thinking it must be the stuffy classroom setting that is hindering her ability to perform, Blanche made Rose go with her to a dance club where they could practice their moves among the people. Rose was first, and she put on a decent show. And then it was Blanche's turn. Rose couldn't see the entire thing because all of the glittery jewelry on the necks of the Miami men, but she could hear the laughter Blanche's dance was inciting. Blanche has heard enough and changes the subject as to why Dorothy is up at that hour. Okay, clearly she's stressed about the outcome of the blood test. And yes, Rose, it's that Sophia might be the mother of Gina, not Philip Francis Rizzuto, a.k.a. the Scooter. That's not fair. Rizzuto is not a word. He's a baseball player. You're cheating. Phil Rizzuto was a shortstop for the Yankees. After retiring, he spent 40 years announcing for the Yankees. He was best known for his exclamation at a good play, Holy cow. Holy cow. A drive to deep left center, and that ball is out of here. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No? What happened? He caught it? You, you got to be kidding. I know I got to get these glasses changed. 
receivers saw it and I didn't believe him. Oh, I got to see that again before I declare it. Now look at Stanley looking back. I'm doing the same thing. Watch this. Here he goes. Son of a gun hit the fence and held on. At the end of seven, it's the Yankees four and the Orioles two. Getting back to the stressor at hand, Blanche tries to comfort Dorothy with an everything will be fine. But Dorothy is more realistic about the magnitude of what she's facing. Her mother might not be her mother. Everything she's ever known could be wrong. She could have a new heritage, new lineage, a father. Strangely, it's Blanche who's comforting Dorothy. I say strangely because it's Rose who is adopted, so you would think that she would be the first to step up and say that birth and blood doesn't really matter, love and relationships do. In her pep talk, Blanche makes some great points, like how Dorothy and Sophia are closer than most biological mothers and daughters. It's that love they share that matters, not their blood type. It's a beautiful moment that ends with Dorothy feeling slightly better, that is, until Gina and Sophia come into the kitchen at the same time in similar nightdresses, holding similar purses, laughing similarly at something in Italian, and scuttling across the floor. They look so much alike, Blanche is backpedaling on her promise that a bond is stronger than blood. It's the next day, and we find ourselves at Biscayne Bay Hospital. Dorothy, wearing what is probably one of her favorite outfits based on how often she wears it, her taupe skirt or perhaps very oversized pant, her turquoise blouse with oversized sleeve and collar, and... Flesh food sighting! While Dorothy anxiously sits in the waiting room, a lovely-looking lady approaches her, asking if she would like the extra cup of coffee the vending machine gave her. Dorothy passes, and the woman complains about the ineptitude of hospitals. As the woman goes on, Dorothy stops her. Hey, it was just a mistake, just a little cup of coffee. That doesn't mean hospitals go around just mixing up babies. It's not the hospital's fault. As the woman tries and tries again to leave Dorothy's space, she's literally physically pulled back in. Dorothy twaddles on and on about the odds of babies being mixed up and how no one has really heard of it ever happening. And, and even if it does, it doesn't happen that often. I'll answer Dorothy's question as to what the odds are of a baby being switched at birth. TheList.com tells us that annually, at least back in 1998, about 28,000 babies were switched by accident. Now, don't let that number freak you out. Most of those were just temporary oopsies and the babies were rightfully returned. Now, as for the really drama and trauma-filled switches, like what we might be witnessing between Gina and Dorothy— the Joint Commission in Chicago found that between 1995 and 2008, across 4,500 hospitals throughout the country, there were only eight switches. If you've gone to the hospital for any reason in the last few years, you've probably noticed the increased use of identifying technology. One of the most mind-melting aspects of Coco's recent stints in the hospital has been those checkups. Hi! Can I get your name, your birthday? Let's go over your medications again. Scan your personal barcode on your wristband and on the bags and on the medications. It is so tedious, but we know that it's necessary. Thankfully, those same procedures and scannings have been used in the baby departments, so these mistakes are far less frequent. If you are having a baby soon, first, why? Oh, wait, no. To avoid a little mixeroo, you can start by asking the hospital what security procedures they have in place. If your baby is going to be taken somewhere for medical reasons or bathing, ask the nurse where they're going and how long to expect them to be gone. And if possible, have someone like the other parent or a family member go with to keep tabs. Finally, they recommend bringing something distinct to put on your baby, like a bright or noticeable outfit or a bib or a little bracelet or something. That way you can feel extra comfort in knowing that you're bringing home your actual baby and not your neighbor's garbage baby. The unnamed woman, clearly concerned about Dorothy's intensity, inquires as to if she's there for the drug addiction rehabilitation. Realizing how frantic she's getting, Dorothy takes a breath, then a seat. The woman joins her, asking why she's there. Oh, Dorothy's getting a blood test. This lady has someone getting surgery. And no matter how often she has to go through the waiting room experience, she is never any more calm. Even now, she's shaking. Her knees are weak. Her arms are spaghetti. I can attest, no matter how many times you have to go through a waiting room waiting as a loved one is getting chopped up by a doctor, it does not get easier. 
I guess it was a little easier the last time Coco had anything, but it was a little more minor. But it's still, it's very hard to do. I've only experienced that once when you had your surgery, and it was incredibly nerve-wracking. A lot of thoughts go on, (laughs) and I can't imagine having, how many times would you say you've been on that side of it? Uh, For anyone? Oh, waiting in a waiting room for a hospital? Yeah, for a surgery Um, going on or some procedure or test or something. uh, I'd say between 10 and 12, probably. Hey, thanks for waiting for me while I was getting my surgery. Happy to. The woman continues. She just wishes she could be less nervous, be more steady and prepared for the surgery. That's when she, Dr. Watkins, is paged to the operating room. She's not waiting for surgery. She's conducting a surgery. She's not only nervous, but we know she thinks very little of the hospital. Yikes. This was Marsha Firestin, who plays Dr. Watkins, first role. Among her 10 credits, she appeared in CSI New York, Kiss Me Guido, Earth 2, Seinfeld, and ALF. Sorry if you heard me scream for Earth 2 just then. What even is that? Earth 2 is about a space exploration, whatever. It's basically like La Brea, but they go to another Earth. Hell yeah. So in Earth 2, I believe there's some huge spaceship out there looking for another planet that humans can habitate, habitat, and... They get there. They they find Earth two, which what a what a insulting name for another planet, a new planet. <laughs> and they find, I think, sort of land of the lost style creatures and things that want to kill them. And Clancy Brown, I think, was one of the stars wow. of it. And it was maybe post Sequest Deep Sea Voyage on NBC, and they might have been trying to recapture the magic. Roy Scheider, Jonathan Brandis. The Dolphin. (laughs) I think we're off track a little. (laughs) Sequest to Earth 2. Performing the call over the PA is David J. Willis. Besides writing, directing, and acting in I'll Be Next Door for Christmas, he wrote for Caroline in the City and Sybil, in which he also acted. Other acting gigs were on Frasier, The Golden Palace, Empty Nest, and Working Girl. This is the first of four visits we'll get from David. We'll see him next season as a comedian and an orderly, then in season six as a delivery boy. This interaction does little to quell Dorothy's concerns about the hospital. When Sophia, in her blue dress with a little black bow, comes back into the room, Dorothy does not understand what took so long just to get a blood sample. Because, yes, aging does make finding veins and drawing blood as difficult as exploratory oil drilling. Now the ladies have to wait a few minutes for the results to come in. Somehow, Sophia is as cool as a cucumber. Dorothy is having the opposite reaction. She's as shaky as a guest on the Maury Povich show. You are the mother! As Sophia starts to calm her possible daughter, Dorothy cuts her off, asking if she's going to tell a story. Annoyed, Sophia says, no, no story. She's going to sing a Negro spiritual, also just known as a spiritual. Spirituals are songs associated specifically with black people. It's Christian music crossed with sub-Saharan African culture. Many of the songs are related to being enslaved and were often blues songs that were sung while doing forced labor. Some of the most well-known spirituals are Go Tell It on the Mountain, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands, Kumbaya, Michael Row the Boat Ashore, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen, Swing Low Sweet Chariot, This Little Light of Mine, Wade in the Water, We Shall Overcome, and when the saints go marching in. Here is a current take on a spiritual with Wade in the Water, performed by the spirituals. Yes, of course, Sophia is going to tell a story. It's about Dorothy's first day of school. She was wearing a pink polka-dotted dress, a dress that was stashed away not for memories, but because Phil liked it and would wear it to the local fire station. Dropping Dorothy off at her class, Sophia couldn't bring herself to leave as her daughter cried out for her, but the teacher told her to go and that everything would be fine. Dorothy thinks that behavior is pretty normal for a kid, but Sophia promises she was the only one in her class that was crying, and she did so for half an hour. In class, when the teacher would look away, little Debbie Troublemaker was up to no good, just as her mother was when her father looked away. Wink, wink. 
Debbie was a bully to Dorothy, tormenting her with toy theft, hiding her lunch and putting gum in Dorothy's hair. Sophia was certain that at the end of the day, Dorothy would be desperate to never return to school. Surprisingly, she claimed to not only want to go back, but that she had made a friend named Debbie. It's a sort of sweet story, but Dorothy is confused as to what Debbie has to do with a blood test or motherhood. Thinking about it for a second, she then realizes that if the teacher wasn't watching, the only way for Sophia to know what had happened was if she had stayed and watched her all day, which is exactly what she did. This is Sophia's way of saying, even if I'm not your mother by blood, only a mother's love would have her standing outside a preschool window for four hours just to make sure her baby was okay. Just then, the lab tech arrives. He has the results. Grant Moran, the tech, appeared in Matlock, Madhouse, Simon and Simon, and Lala. Dorothy looks nearly sick as Sophia bravely approaches the man, grabs the paper, and tears it to shreds without looking at the results. Because they already have their answer, no matter what that paper says. Back at the house, Rose has the dirty dancing bug. As Blanche, in a floral skirt and purple blouse, sits on the couch reading a magazine, Rose comes into the room in bright fuchsia leggings, kitten heels, a pink shirt, and bright green shirt overshirt. She looks foxy and like she's been hanging out with Yvonne from last week. Rose is clearly excited for class. Blanche can tell she's excited as she's wearing her heat-seeking stretch pants, something Blanche would totally wear, bully. When Rose sees she isn't ready to go to class, she's confused. Well, Blanche is not going because she's decided that she is not one that will be seen throwing her body around like some cheap slut in heat. Not that she hasn't tried to do that, but it's just not working out. And since she can't do it, anyone who can is trash. When Rose tries to lift Blanche's spirits, she stops her. She doesn't need to hear it. She knows that she's klutzy. Rose tries to comfort her again, saying it's okay that she doesn't know how to maneuver her body, something Blanche takes great offense to. To make the accusation that her lovemaking skills have been blown out of proportion, Rose tells her, if you can't do a few simple moves on the dance floor, how am I to believe you had that athletic tryst with the Flying Finelli brothers? The Flying Finelli brothers sounds like a name inspired by a vaudeville act, perhaps some trapeze work in gymnastics. Though they weren't a real group, there was the Finelli Boys, a failed TV show on NBC that ran from September 1990 to February 1991. It was created by some familiar names to Golden Girls fans, Barry Finero, Mort Nathan, Kathy Spear, and Terry Grossman. The five-month run was not a success, even though it featured Vera Lockwood as Philomena, Richard Libertini as Father Angelo, Andy Hirsch as Ronnie, Christopher Maloney as Frankie, and Joey Pants, as we call Joe Pantoliano, as Dom. With those repeating names, Father Angelo, Philomena, I feel like this may be a forgotten Golden Girls spinoff. Well, it sounds like it. That's amazing. Yeah, I think they were like, hey, what can we, what do we have? that we can use character wise or I like what if it's let's do a full Italian that's what it feels like oh yeah it's so let's hot. go full gonna, Italian mm-hmm. we've got all these Italian characters on Golden Girls so the writers you know Philip Gro- or Terry Grossman and all them it's like okay well let's create this whole other world of all these side characters is what it feels like and they know that 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 culture whatever they're writing about or hitting in those episodes people respond to and enjoy. Yeah. So they know Italian and Sicilian is like a good... A good go-to. A good go-to, yeah. It's like the only racist jokes that are okay, are not okay, but accepted. Yeah, palatable. Sort That and like, you know, Irish people, yeah. Irish jokes, I would say, <laughs> or British jokes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Look out, Itchy, he's and, Irish. Exactly. So here is the theme song to the Finelli Boys. And you can take your pick because even though it was a five-month run, there are two opening credits. Always a good sign. (laughs) This conversation has Blanche heated in multiple ways. She's defensive toward Rose's accusation, and she's horny just thinking about a jungle gym. Rose is also refusing to believe Blanche hooked up with astronaut Buzz Aldrin in a portion of the spaceship that took him to the moon. Well, that's the last straw for Blanche. She may lie about a lot of things, but the U.S. space program is not one of them. 
It seems Rose may know Blanche better than she knows herself. She may have had this planned all along. Get Blanche defensive and annoyed so she'll prove that she can dance, as opposed to her feeling slightly embarrassed in class and wanting to give up. And it's working. Blanche has pushed the coffee table away from the couch and demands that Rose turns on the music and joins her on the dance floor. Meeting in the middle of the room, Blanche takes the lead and is soon shimmying and swirling around. Rose doesn't hesitate to follow and they put on a show, ending with a dip and Blanche's hand on Rose's rump. It's a perfect time for the Petrillos to return home. Sophia doesn't care what those gals are doing, but if she were ever to walk into a room and see Dorothy holding Rose's butt, she would fall over dead. It's a busy time in the house as the dance floor is getting cut through by the Bosco family. They've got to get going as they're going to get Gina home for Sicily for her wedding. Everyone is confused. Gina is their daughter now? But weren't the girls just getting their blood work? Dorothy tells them how they didn't care about the blood test because Sophia has shown the actions and love of a mother. Sophia agrees. Only a mother could get their daughter through their awkward phase, all 50 years of it. Cheers to my mom for the same. The Bosco family has come to the same conclusion. Sure, Dorothy would have been a great daughter, but they already have a great daughter in Gina. It helps that the man she's marrying is equally enamored with her as her parents are. It's a love fest as everyone expresses their gratitude for good parents and good children. With some chows and goodbyes, they're gone. Rose hopes everything works out for them, especially Gina. Sophia is sure that it will. Heck, the guy she's going home to has a goat. In Sicily, he's considered the very 80s term, a yuppie. The use of yuppie first appeared in a Chicago magazine in 1980. It was a pretty local term until the uprising of the rich, young, successful demographic was written about, and soon the word was everywhere. Now that the maternity is all cleared up and Blanche has put her dancing shoes back on, she's ready to get crazy with her body now that she's remembered how to use it. And no, she doesn't want to go to class with Rose. She wants to go to the circus and find those Finelli brothers, an idea Rose isn't fully opposed to. Left alone and feeling better, Dorothy offers to get her mother some tea. Before leaving, she double-checks. Did Sophia ever doubt she was hers? Of course she didn't. But Dorothy can't let it go. She even tells her that she can still check the results if she wants. Knowing her mother as well as she does, Dorothy immediately returns to the living room once she's in the kitchen because she knows Sophia has something hiding in her purse. Seeing a piece of paper, she knows it's the results. Mostly because Sophia went back to the waiting room after they had started walking to the car. She must have grabbed the results then. When Dorothy asks her ma to hand it over, Sophia corrects her. That's Mrs. Petrillo to you. So it's true. They were switched and Dorothy isn't hers. This moment might confirm that she is her mother because the paper in question was just a shopping list and Sophia was having a little fun, making her think that she wasn't her child. Ah, a mother's love. With a deep breath, Dorothy gives up. Sophia then starts walking to the kitchen, giving Dorothy a hard time about her lack of a sense of humor and how much she is like her other possible family members. I don't think it's discussed often enough that we do not know the results of that test. It does not seem very likely that if the family thinks it was a mistake and they have a blood test saying Gina wasn't theirs and how much Gina and Sophia look alike, it just seems very possible that they did get switched and Sophia is not her mother. The only real evidence we have in Dorothy's favor is that her grandmother did look exactly like her. Coco, what are your thoughts on this episode? This was a very good episode. It's a great one. It made me laugh out loud. The moment before Sophia opens the front door to reveal Gina, I started shouting, yes, yes. Because I, at one second before, I realized that the height of Dorothy and Philomena was the same. I think they did that really well, how she stands up and then they're next to each oh, other. Yeah. And that's when you're first how like, oh, wow, that, they're yeah. both really tall. Yeah, that was very cool. And you're like, yes, what's behind that door? <laughs> I just knew it was going to be a little lady with a clamshell purse. <laughs> yeah, that was delightful. I th- I loved when, uh, who's the, the father? Uh, Dominic. When he Dominic. appears in the bedroom with Dorothy yes. to console her. That was hilarious. Oh, it was throughout. It was so funny and yeah. sweet. Mm-hmm. And I like that message that it doesn't matter mm-hmm. that your family is your family. Yeah. Either way, I, yeah, I don't really have a, I don't really know hmm, which I prefer if she's blood or not. Maybe not because of who I am. Yeah. Adoptee. Yeah. And I love that. And it's never referenced again. There, it, 
it could easily, I think other shows would have maybe had a little arc of that. Yeah. Story, or that relied struggle. on, relied on that or something to where later references of like, well, you're not even my kid. Or it could have been a cliffhanger at the end of the season. Or yeah, yeah. So something many like different ways. And, and it ends that way to where everyone has just accepted it, but it doesn't end with an answer. Yeah. And we really don't know. And I look at that and go, she and Gina look identical. They were in the hospital. They have a blood test saying Gina is not theirs. Odds are. Unless she's there's not. some other switch. Unless there happened. is another baby, but they kind of don't make it sound like. Maybe it's Rose. Oh, my God. She was adopted. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Fan theory. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. I think the best episodes, some of the best are Dorothy and Sophia are dealing with family members or something in their world. And then Blanche and Rose are doing their own little side fun thing. Like we had the hurricane where Uncle Angelo was in town. So Sophia and Dorothy are dealing with him and dealing with Stan. And then the girls were in the play. And so they come home as nuns. So they're doing their whole separate thing. And then it overlaps into that. And those that formula tends to work really, really well. And they get to be extremely loose because oh, their plot yeah. isn't as heavy or yeah, consequential. Or the focus of the episode. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was just very fun to see them dancing together. I mm-hmm. loved the, yeah, that the heat-seeking pants Rose was wearing. <laughs> I love when they are wearing activity clothing yes. on this show. It is great. I enjoyed also having the image of Dirty Dancing popping into my mind oh, the yeah. whole time I liked that movie. And uh, the music. Yeah. And uh, fun facts about that Righteous Brother. Yeah, that is a fun one. So this is a fan favorite episode. It's a real classic. There's never a moment of, I can't go to that class. I'm too old. Or I can't be among these younger people doing it. Or that's a trendy thing for the kids with that movie. Never. That's never any issue. They're just like, I found out about this class. Let's go. This is a good kind of wrap up of just, we're all family. We are all family. You hear that? (laughs) that's right if you're listening you're family and when you're here you're family Outback Steakhouse yum (laughs) for some people family is an F word however the beauty of family is that you can make it what you need it to be blood is often used as a reason to remain in a relationship with people but it doesn't have to be You might not have a close relationship with those who birthed you or are physically related to you, and that's okay. You can find someone who will show you what a mother should be. You can make friends that are closer than sisters. What makes family is love and action. Love for one another. Love that has you supporting each other. Love that has you by each other's sides for the good times and bad. So even if Dorothy and Sophia aren't related by blood, they are related by time, care, support, and love. So in the end, they are family, no matter what a blood test says. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for being a friend. Be sure to join us next week when we start the beginning of the end of the season with We're Outta Here, Part 1. Don't comfort me, Rose. Bright sweatshoot, sweatshoot. Holy hell. Well, uh, uh, where's my notebook? I've lost everything. (laughs) One great thing that could happen as the result of being on the flight path is that we could be actively recording while something falls off a plane and hits the The studio. But we're fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. As long as we're okay. Like a metal pole comes in right in the center of the studio. Oh, my God. Straight down. (laughs) Just think about it. Okay, I'm on board. Oh. Oh. To have survived that and be the person that got their shirt sucked off. <laughs> that would suck. That would be, well, You're coming it off would a, suck off would your suck. shirt. <laughs> it would be but terrible. yeah, you come out at the. Why, what happened to this guy's shirt? <laughs> you land and walk off and everyone's looking like, why Why is only one man not wearing a shirt? Huh. Is that his is panic that why, response? Is that why they had to come back? He wouldn't put his shirt on? He, he was, was aggressively farting? Why isn't that making the news? Shame that man. Can you believe that? Let alone the Righteous Brothers. Goes back so slowly and time. <laughs>
can do so much. Uh, you still are. <laughs> Clay. <laughs> and somehow I made it to be six feet tall. That's right. Strong as an oaf. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded like Butters in the South Park movie when he skates by them on the ice rink. Oh, good. Uh. <laughs> to now send a ladder. Ladder? Well, hi. <laughs> well, hi. That is fun. Did we just make a fact? <laughs> How do you go to bed dead? <laughs> Begins to reminisce about reminisce. That's right. Can I do the whole thing in a mid-Atlantic? I have things to slap you about. I'm from Philadelphia, can't you tell? Goo goo gaga. <laughs> Mommy, I need a diaper change. I wasn't held as a baby. Um, please don't pull my pubes this time. <laughs> Harvey, Fi- Harvey Firestein. Yeah. Right? Harvey Firestein. Oh, hello. Right? Uh, hello, yeah. this is Harvey Firestein. <laughs> I think I nailed it. We should do an Earth 2 podcast. Hmm. Well, it'd be short. Just a, I think it's one or two seasons. I'm going to look it up while okay. you do whatever this is. You want to hear the plot for Earth 2? <laughs> yes, please. Okay, this is from Wikipedia. Oh, boy. Should have called it New Pacifica. Yeah. Colon Earth, Earth 2. 2. 93 to 96. I rest my case. Which is what? NBC. I believe Blanche hooked up with Balls, Balls Aldrin. Balls. I said balls. Dance that dirty. <laughs> Yeah, like it's annoying, but it's also, hey, you're not going to get the wrong medication Checks or the wrong balances. surgery. Clearly, we need these sorts of things. Otherwise, <laughs> they could have swapped me out for some other baby. What if I brought home a baby instead of you? That'd be terrible. I'd be at someone else's house sucking on some t- <laughs> <laughs> Always Be My Sisters is written, hosted, and created by Alicia Holland. Produced and edited by Josh McCullough. Always Be My Sisters is a Cascade Media production. You'll always be 